Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we are going to spend time with new mums and dads just like you to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, mums and dads, to Sense by Meg Fora. I am Meg Fora. I'm your host here. And every week I join you to unpack some of the more tricky aspects of parenting. And sometimes we look at things like discipline in toddlers, which is always a bit thorny. And sometimes we chat to mums who have got challenges themselves. And through exploring their challenges, we get to cover some of the ground that you want to have a look at. And then sometimes we have experts who join us. And some of my favorite podcasts over the last year have been with Kath McGaw. Kath is a pediatric dietitian, and I always say she's my partner in crime in everything that has to do with baby feeding. And that's because she just knows so much more than I do. And then actually than most people do. She's, I think if I had to express what Kath is, she's a curious mind. She makes it her business to go and find out the absolute latest to solve the little problems or the big problems that her little ones have. And so she's always at the forefront of the research in terms of infant feeding. And just like adult diet is a thorny issue often and very polarized and moves in every different direction, um, infant feeding is even more so. And so Kath is a voice of reason in a wilderness of conflicting information. So Kath, I'm always delighted to have you join us. So welcome here today. Oh, thanks, Meg. Love to always do this with you. Yeah. So, Kath, a little bit just about your background, just for those who haven't come across you before, which I'm sure is very few people, but just to cover it off, you did your original dietetics degree in South Africa and then went to the Johns Hopkins University in the US to do your pediatric dietetics. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, I managed to do a two-year fellowship there, which was really exciting and was able to specialize in pediatric dietetics as a specialization. So, I really felt that in order to give the best for the patients, I really believe specialization is one way to do that. And mm. I had the privilege of doing that. So I have basically been in pediatric dietetics since probably about over 20 years and journeyed it together with my children who probably taught me more than I learned anywhere in university. Yeah. Yeah, that took your science and made it an art, I'm sure. Absolutely. And Kathy, I mean, you, you have many different fields of interest. I know that you work in the neonatal ICUs, making sure that our little preemies thrive. You also do work with moms as they start to wean their babies in your private practice. You're involved in keto diets for little ones with epilepsy. Um, and then another deep field of interest for yours, because I know that it comes across your table often, is actually allergies and allergic children. And you and I and Dr. Sarah Car Carabas wrote a book called Allergy Sense. And moms, a lot of what we're going to talk about here today can be found in the book Allergy Sense. So if you have an allergic little one, that is a book that you do want to go and have a look at. So, Kath, that is what we are going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at allergies and allergies obviously is just the most vast subject. So today we're going super narrow and we're going to be looking at milk allergies specifically in babies. 
And so let's kick right off and start by defining what a milk allergy is. I mean, a lot of people get confused and confuse lactose intolerance with milk allergies. So can you just debunk a little bit of that and talk about milk allergies and then potentially touch on the difference between that and lactose intolerance? 100%. So I think it's important to remember that if we term something an allergy, it's normally an immune reaction. So your body's immune system, which is there to fight viruses and bacteria and foreign substances, actually attacks a food protein. And that then is a food allergy. So it needs to be a protein in order to be defined as an allergy. And so if you have cow's milk protein allergy, then your body immune system is basically attacking the protein that comes across in cow's milk. If your child has lactose intolerance, which is very rare, primary lactose intolerance is very, very rare, and it's quite a severe condition that often lands children up in hospital, they aren't able to break down the sugar that's found in breast milk in abundance, and then in a lot of cow's milk formulas, as well as any other mammal milk. So if your child is lactose intolerant, goat's milk will be a problem, camel milk will be a problem. So it's not just related to cow's milk. And so lactose is the sugar found in milk, and it can be an intolerance, your baby can't break it down. Cow's milk protein will be an allergy where your baby's immune system reacts and has a reaction to that allergy. And in cow's milk protein allergy, the type of reactions we normally see are much more gut-related. So it can be anything like vomiting or excessive diarrhea, can be blood in the stools, because the immune system actually tries to fight it to the degree where it can actually hurt the gut if the child has a severe cow's milk protein allergy. Very interesting. Now, I mean, allergies have become the flavor of the month in the last few years. Everybody has an allergy to something, or at least an intolerance, but often an allergy. And of course, it's not always true. I mean, let's just have a look at, first of all, how prevalent is cow's milk protein or milk allergy? Should we, should we say milk in general, milk allergy? Yeah, so I think in your, it's, so cow's milk protein allergy in babies is the most common allergy that we see in babies. And so two to 5% of babies can have some form because that's also where it gets a bit complicated because you've got two immune pathways that your baby's body can react. The most common one is actually what we call the non-IgE. So it's the one that you wouldn't pick up in a blood test. And for years, we would say to moms, no, your baby's not allergic because we don't see it in the blood test. And now we know that it's actually, science has shown us, studies have shown us that it is a cow's milk protein allergy, but it's a different mechanism, which we don't right now have a sufficient blood test to show. So it's more based on the clinical symptoms. And those babies often have quite a severe reaction to cow's milk protein. But the good news, if it's non-IgE, in other words, we can't pick it up in a blood test, is that they do tend to outgrow it before a year. And that's quite promising. If a child has a cow's milk protein allergy that is picked up in a blood test, and we do see those, they often last a lot longer and can last up to eight to 10 years of age even. So that, and then they often are accompanied with other allergies, maybe wheat allergy, but those will all be blood test related or the skin prick test where you put a little bit of the allergen on the skin and the skin has a reaction to that. But if it's the 
common one that we see, which is the non-IgE one. You can't pick it up in the blood test or on the skin test, but it's very real and it causes a lot of stress and, and can hurt the baby's gut really badly. So let's talk about, I mean, let's, let's, let's break this into two camps. We've got mums who are formula feeding and mums who are breastfeeding. So for our formula feeding mums, this would obviously happen if they are offering a cow's milk based formula. Can you talk a little bit about that? Correct. So to add further to complication, we have different cow's milk protein. We've got whey-based cow's milk protein and casein-based cow's milk protein are the two dominant ones. There are a whole lot of others, but those are the two main ones that we look at. And so we have formulas that have got both in them, but we've also got formulas now that have just whey-based protein and just casein-based protein. And often babies who have some reaction to cow's protein will be able to tolerate a whey-based protein formula. And so we often will try that first before we cut out cow's milk formula altogether. Okay. If the baby has a reaction to that as well, then the baby would need to be on either a formula where the cow's milk protein has been broken down to such a degree that the body doesn't recognize it anymore as cow's milk protein. So I always liken it, if you think of those old-fashioned trains with the different train carts, if you have the whole train, that would be your complete protein and the body reacts because it can see it coming a mile away. But if you break it down into just maybe say three of those carriages, then the body might be a bit confused and might not react to that. So we've got a formula that has that. And then if that doesn't work, we can take out the individual carriages and give that to the baby. And then the body generally never reacts to that because it doesn't it doesn't link it together as cosmic protein. So we okay. get the amino acid-based and the peptide-based formula. So cosmic protein formulas are the most common. And like I say, they can be distinguished between either being casein, being a combination, or being just whey-based. And whey-based are sometimes more tolerated in our cow's milk allergic babies because they're more likely to be allergic to the casein. Very interesting. Now, of course, that just sounded like a huge amount of swapping formula and trying one thing after the next. And of course, that is what we see with our babies is that very often we have a little one who's on formula and at about two to three weeks old becomes a little bit more fussy because all babies do that because they're neurologically immature. And by six weeks, they might be crying quite a bit because that's the peak of crying. And mom immediately thinks her baby is maybe so-called allergic to the formula mm -hmm. and then starts the formula hopping. Mm -hmm. And that really is a horrible space to be in because you actually don't know what's working and what isn't working. So if we have a mom who's listening, whose little one has become very niggly at that time, and she starts to think about cow's milk protein allergy, how should she be approaching it? I mean, is it a case of she just needs to see a professional or is there some advice you can give? No, definitely. I think there's definitely some things that moms can do. So I think it's, firstly, if the baby is just becoming fractious, niggly, um, maybe like just struggling with winds and just not a very comfortable baby, then what you can do, and that there's no blood in the stools, the stools look still okay. The baby's still having normal stools regularly, so no sign of constipation or anything like that. Because a formula-fed baby, we really would like to see a stool passed at least daily, maybe at the most every second day comfortably. So if that's not happening, um, 
then then obviously there's a concern that there's a bigger problem. But if your baby is still passing stools, but just becoming more and more niggly as they are just growing into that next week of age, I would suggest going on to a whey-based um, formula. So I wouldn't just change formulas. So often moms will change formulas because they heard their French child is very comfortable on this cow's milk formula. And that's where formula hopping becomes very stressful and really is not great for the baby either. So mm -hmm. I would suggest if you're on a general formula, a good formula, um, then go to a whey-based formula. And there are quite a few now available in the different groups of formulas. And if your baby is still not comfortable on there, then you could go on to what we call a hydrolyzed formula. And that's where there are then peptides. If you get into that space, so it is quite helpful to speak to a healthcare mm -hmm. professional and just to understand the journey on that path. So if you have changed to a whey-based formula and your baby is still not happy, then I would suggest speaking to someone who's got expertise in this area so they don't also take you on down a whole rabbit hole and then you would then need to possibly be on one of those more specialized formulas if however your baby has got blood in the stools or just really showing or projectile vomiting when they have their feed because that's also a sign of a cloud milk protein allergy then the protocol internationally is to go immediately to a hydrolyzed formula. And so then you could try it, but it would be good to have advice and do that under guidance. In severe cases, we will move the baby onto an amino acid-based formula immediately, but they, the formulas do get more expensive as they become more specialized. And that's why I do suggest doing it under the advice of someone who knows what they're doing, because then you don't waste unnecessary money paying for the formula when that baby maybe needed a specific type of other formula. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of our moms are thinking, oh, I need Kath in my pocket. So, Kath, they can get hold of you on Nutripedes on the website, right? Yeah, it's quite okay. easy to do it. All right. So Nutripedes is where you want to get hold of Kath. So Kath, now we come to our breastfeeding moms. I breastfed my little ones at that age and they were niggly times. And particularly with my third little one who actually really, really can't tolerate any dairy at all. And she still can't at this age. I don't know that she's, I've never called it an allergy, definitely an intolerance. She gets terrible gut issues. But when she was little, it was like that as well. And of course I was breastfeeding. So there was sugar in the milk because the lactose in the milk. And so she was reacting to that. Now, we get other moms who would be listening to this and wondering, okay, so is, is my baby reacting to my milk because of the lactose, because we know that there's sugar in the milk, or is it possible that my baby is reacting to with an allergy to either my milk, breast milk, or to the cow's milk protein that I've been eating in my diet? So do we see this? I mean, is it possible to A, have an, have an allergy, because we're talking about allergies today, to breast milk and to the things that moms ingest through the breast milk? This episode is brought to us by ParentSense, the all-in-one baby and parenting app that help you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. So yeah, maybe I can just 
speak for a minute just about the lactose in the breast milk. So lactose is there for a very important reason because it actually grows the healthy bacteria in the baby's gut. But however, the one catch is when babies are born, they're not born with enough of the lactose. They're actually born with no lactase enzyme to break down the lactose. But with the presence of lactose in the gut, the body starts producing the lactase enzyme. But it can take a while. And while the body's learning that it needs X amount of lactase enzyme, there's all this lactose going in and some of it's not digested. And for some babies, that can cause a lot of gas, a lot of wind. And they can come across as a bit lactose intolerance but they don't lack the enzyme they just don't have enough of it yet mm. so what i normally suggest for the moms with young babies before three months of age is to just the way you can manage the lactose in your breast milk is just managing the amount of sugary foods and very refined starchy foods that you eat and also just not overdoing on the fruit because anything with a form of sugar or glucose can increase the amount of lactose in your breast milk. So like I say, you'll never eradicate lactose from the breast milk, which we don't want to do, but you can maybe just lower the bar so that the lactase enzyme can catch up with the amount of lactose you're producing. Mm. So it's very sad for me when moms stop breastfeeding because of lactose intolerance, but they need to actually just give their babies a chance mm. to actually get used to it. So that's, that's the lactose, the milk sugar. Mm. If a baby is reacting like a cow's milk protein allergic baby. So maybe blood in the stools or maybe just very fractious and very upset. It would be very advised and it's very good protocol to cut out of the mom's diet all cow's milk protein because that would mean that no cow's milk protein molecules will go through the breast milk to her baby. And so then her baby's got no cow's milk protein to react to. And that normally sorts it out for the majority of babies with cow's milk protein allergy is for the mom to keep breastfeeding and to just remove all dairy and all forms on dairy. So that includes yogurt, ice cream, cheese, chocolate, and milk in your tea and coffee. And that would then not be part of her diet anymore. And the babies normally do adjust and are actually quite fine. In severe cases, and these are very, very minor. So the stats at the moment are saying 0.05% of children with cow's milk protein allergy. So not of all children, just of that 2 to 5% will react to the mom's protein. So her breast milk protein. So her breast milk makes its own protein. Her body makes its own protein for the breast milk. And there's that very minute, minor percent that will react to it. And that's not nice because then you have to stop breastfeeding. And it's always very sad for my heart when that happens. But, you know, I have had cases like that. And then generally those babies really only settle when we put them on what we call an amino acid-based formula, which is the most expensive formula. It's like liquid gold. And you really do spend a fortune paying for it, but yeah. it's worth it if that is the only way you can settle your baby. Mm -hmm. So those are those are extreme cases. But what's very exciting and why most babies will tolerate mom's breast milk, even when you remove cow's milk protein, is that her breast milk protein is hydrolyzed. So it's broken down. It's small. It's like a two or three little carriages as opposed to a whole train. And that's why they often will do fine. And the majority, so 99.05% will do absolutely fine on that.
Very interesting. So that's super interesting for me, Kath, because, you know, when I had my firstborn and you and I had our firstborns at around about the same time, there were these very, very restrictive diets that moms who were breastfeeding were put on. I mean, we were told no cabbage, no onion, no green vegetables, no dairy, no eggs, no fish. Mm. It was just ridiculous. But at the end of the day, there was pretty much nothing left for us to eat because there was this crazy thought that allergies came through what we had given our babies and our milk and could make them niggly. It was just it was all flawed science. Mm-hmm. So we then kind of went in the opposite direction, understanding that actually highly restrictive diets during breastfeeding are not a good idea. And we went through a patch where we did say to moms and probably still do say to moms, eat everything that is healthy in your diet. And I think you would agree with that. So absolutely. anything that's healthy, don't cut mm-hmm. anything out of your diet when you're breastfeeding, you know, go for it, eat absolutely everything, obviously, unless you're allergic to it yourself. So so that is now the wisdom, of course, now. But what I am hearing you say is that if you have got a baby who is very niggly and is not settling and you are worried about allergies or intolerances, step number one is to remove very sugary foods and highly processed carbohydrates from your diet and maybe do that for five days and see what that does because that could deal with that lactose overload. And then step number two, if that really isn't working, cut out dairy of all forms and see whether or not that works for five days. Would you say that that would mm, go ahead? Yeah, you would do the dairy for two weeks because it takes the baby's body and your body about seven to 14 days to clear out. So the dairy, but the lactose, you're 100% right. Within that first week, you should notice a difference because your your milk is kind of made on demand. So it will make a difference quite quickly and you will be able to see if you have a more comfortable baby. So I like that first step, Mm -hmm. do the sugary foods Mm -hmm. and then second step, do the dairy. But please don't limit dairy in trying to prevent an issue with your baby because as you've said, Meg, is that you really need to include all the allergens because that Mm -hmm. will actually be protective for Mm -hmm. your baby. And there is a point where if I'm journeying with a mom who's had to remove cow's milk protein from her diet, before we introduce cow's milk protein to the baby in the weaning phase, we actually will introduce it back into mom's diet so that the baby will start learning to tolerate the cow's milk protein through her breast milk because Very it's a nice. little bit And then we know, okay, we're good to go. Let's start with baby and, and cow's milk protein. Super interesting. Kat, so that actually is a brilliant segue into exactly what I was going to ask you next. So let's say we have a baby who has a confirmed cow's milk protein allergy, um, and now the mom's ready to start weaning. What is that process? First of all, any other foods she should be thinking about? And then second of all, how does she introduce cow's milk into that baby's diet? Or even, do we need cow's milk in our diet? So I think just one thing to add in light of what you're asking is that Sometimes we will require mom to cut out soya as well because 50% of children with cow's milk protein allergy are likely to have some soya allergy as well. That's a very hard ask for moms, I've noticed. So cutting out dairy is not too difficult, but cutting out soya requires extensive label reading and it's quite stressful. So I only do it if a baby doesn't settle after having the cow's milk protein removed and the baby's better but not 100%, then we might do a soya trial. So I'm just saying that because some healthcare professionals will do both at the same time because of the percentage risk. Mm. 
but I do find it's very difficult for moms to live a soya-free life actually more than a cow's milk protein-free life. So, so I'm interested in that. What, what, what is she looking for in labels when she's looking for soya? Is it always going to be uh, soya or is it is it phrased and hidden in, as different No, words? so because soya is a known allergy, it has to have soya, but it might be a soya isolate or it's a soya filler. Like oh. whenever they want to fortify food and, and get the protein up in food, especially the bread, bread mm. range, they will add soya because it's a very cheap way of increasing the protein of any food source. So it just requires, like I say, a lot of label reading. In a lot of your spices, there's soya. So soya, like isolate, because it prevents spices from clumping together. Oh, so makes sushi not as tasty because you're kind of soy sauce. <laughs> yeah. that, you know, so it, it really isn't, it is really difficult. It's more mm. difficult than we think it is. And it does require label reading much more extensively. Mm. Mm. So, um, yeah, so that is that is just something, and I will only do it if, it, if it's really, really deemed necessary. But mm. there is that higher percent and we do have to be aware of that. And that's why in the past we would successfully manage children well we thought we were successfully manage, managing children on a soya formula we are a bit reluctant to do that because of the high risk mm. and and then creating an issue around that as well however a soya formula is very affordable and so i do find myself in cases where you know the cost of these specialized formulas are just too much for the family and we will definitely do a soya formula trial and hope that the baby can actually cope on that. And there is that 50% chance. So that's also something just to to keep in mind. Okay, excellent. So now mum's going off milk and taking a little one onto solids, which happens anywhere from 17 weeks to 24 weeks, from, from four to six months. First of all, I guess, a very important question, should we be delaying the introduction of solids if we have a confirmed cow's milk protein allergy or any allergy really is it that's identified before 17 weeks? So definitely not. So those are the children we actually really want to get going with solid introduction. And those children, there's some new research going on at the moment, which I think is coming out to be quite conclusive, that we should actually be starting them off with the allergen foods, opposed to taking too much time to get going on all the veggies and that. So do one or two veggies and then get going with the egg and the, the nut butters and things like that. Because But not the actual milk, because now you're, you've got... Pro- okay, so no, you're not looking 100%. for them... Correct. So just to clarify, you're not putting them onto the, the allergen they're allergic to. You're putting them right. onto the other protein protein allergic Correct. foods. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to then put them onto all the other allergens that they could potentially be allergic to in order to see because they've already shown you they've got a hyperactive immune system that is just targeting proteins. So you want to get those proteins in to let the, the big, the big thing with early allergen introduction, the whole idea behind it is that if you make something known to the body and you make something appear to be safe and common, the body's not going to attack it. So Mm. it's not like a foreign Mm. um, protein. And that's why you want to build it slowly. So you do do it early on. And you will then introduce your all your other allergens and do them until you're happy that the baby can tolerate them. The cow's milk protein allergen, though, like I say, if the child is on breast milk, we will first introduce it via mom's breast milk. And if the child is on formula, we will do a step down formula. So we would want the baby to tolerate 
if they run, for example, an amino acid-based formula, which is our top end one, where there's no association with cardinal protein, we would first step them down to a hydrolyzed one, where the, there's a few cars together, but not a lot of carriages. Mm. And if they're on that one and tolerating that, then we would want to step them onto our whey-based protein formula. So that would be the progression. If the child is then tolerating the whey-based protein formula, we can then start to introduce very slowly the cow's milk protein with the baby's actual food diet. So that would be direct introduction. But there's a milk ladder in which we do that. And it's not just giving the child milk in their porridge now or just mm. giving them a spoon, whole cup of yogurt. We can, I can discuss the milk lad if you want me to, but yeah. it's a basic, it's, yeah, it's just really helpful to understand the, the basic, to keep it very simple. The way the milk ladder works is we do it with something that is baked in the oven first. So we introduce cow's milk protein in like a baked muffin or in a baked dish where the yeah. oven has reached 180 degrees because that breaks down the cosmic protein extensively. So again, you're just giving a little bit, but in a very safe way to the baby. And then we'll go from there to stove top temperature up to boiling point of 100 degrees. And then from there, we'll start to go with things like a yogurt or like a cottage cheese. And then at last, we'll be moving them onto milk so that takes time and it normally if if you look at the stats internationally and if i look at my practice which is aligned with that we do that between nine months to 12 months of age for babies who have the the clinical cosmic protein allergy but not diagnosed in the in the blood test so at that point we do like to establish which one we're looking at because that will determine our journey to reintroduction very interesting, very interesting. And when you're talking about that ladder, you're obviously talking about specifically on, on dairy there, but there are also other alternate forms of yogurt, let's take, for example, or milk that could be used. So everything, and my head is going from a yogurt with kefir in it, as an example, all the way through to something like an almond milk yogurt, And let's take, for example. So one has absolutely no dairy in it, one is dairy, but has been fermented with kefir. So can you give us an idea, is there any difference, do those play any role in the, with these babies' diets? Absolutely. So I think in the beginning, because yogurt, we talk about yogurt because it is such a go-to food and it's so loud incorporated. We're lucky now days that you can, if, if the baby tolerates soy, you can do a soya-based yogurt. If the baby tolerates coconut, you can do a coconut-based yogurt. You can get, depending where you are in the world, I mean, I'm so jealous internationally, you get delicious almond, I know in the UK, delicious almond-based yogurts mm. and so yummy cashew nut yogurts. Yeah. So I made a curry that. last night with a with an almond yogurt. It was lovely. Oh, yeah. 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 So it really, really is nice. We do get locally in South Africa, we do get some, they do come at a huge cost. So they're probably the most affordable are your coconuts and your soya based yogurts. So those you can definitely include. And I would encourage moms to do that just to add variety to the diet. And the other thing it does is it exposes the child to the texture of yogurt. Because what we do find with allergy kids 
is that they can tend to be a bit restricted in what they're exposed to. So I do like to encourage moms to even do a dairy-free cheese, which is a coconut-based cheese. And that allows them to, when they get to the hand-holding stage, to hold the cheese, to experience a bit of cream cheese that's non-dairy mixed into food for that creamy taste. So you expose them to those similar textures. So when you do reintroduce the potential allergen, they're used to what that mm. allergen would taste like and feel like in their mouth, which is mm. really important for texture acceptance. Mm. Okay, very interesting. And just quickly, I mentioned kefir yogurt. I mean, is that just the same as any old other yogurt? No, if a child has a cow's milk protein allergy, it wouldn't be one of the early introductions, but it would yogurt and kefir yogurt are great. So the more fermented the yogurt is and the higher the probiotic counts in the yogurt is, we know that the gut has a better chance of accepting it. But if the child is still very allergic to the kinds of protein, it's not really going to make a difference. All right, super interesting. Kath, we have covered off a very thorny issue today and in a lot of depth. So this probably wouldn't have been an episode for absolutely everyone, but it is an episode an essential episode for everyone who does have an allergic child to one of the milks. So thank you for joining us and as always for your incredible wisdom. And moms, if you are wanting to get hold of Kath, Kath, can you just give them an idea of how they can get hold of you? Yeah, the best is you can go to my website. So it's just www.nutripeds.co.za and there you can just have a link which they can send an email or a request or ask a question on there. That's the easiest. And then just for those of you who are in America who don't spell peds like we do in the UK and South Africa, the spelling of this is N-U-T-R-I-P-A-E-D-S, Nutripedes. And that is the best way to get hold of Kath. And of course, do go and get her book, Allergy Sense, as well, for those of you who have got allergic babies. So Kath, thank you very much. I really do appreciate your time as always. Goodbye. Thanks, Meg. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.